0: Welcome to this edition of Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is Jacob.
1: This is Allison.
0: And we are here with our friend Erica Mosca today. How Hi. are you, Erica?
1: Good. Thanks so much for having me. We're excited to have you.
0: Most definitely. So, we've got lots of questions for you today, but we're going to start out with the most important one what was your first cd you ever purchased this is a great question
1: because my first cd ever was not a purchase i was oh. that crazy kid that would call a radio all the time get free stuff yes and so my first cd was the barbie girl cd what you heck? remember that no i don't it was like the was it aqua, aqua. Mm-hmm. aqua. Oh. you know oh I'm, a I'm a barbie girl, girl. yes <laughs> i
0: think there
2: that was weren't cds out by then I feel like that yes. was like in 1997 ish, was it not? You're getting cassettes, Erica, still? Oh that was no, no that was a CD. That was oh, a CD. Was oh, a CD. Was. Yeah. oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, Allison cassettes are back. Remember, cassettes yes.
0: are back. Okay. So if you go to 11th Street Records, you'll see all the local bands with their cassettes.
1: Oh, uh-huh.
0: it's very strange. I definitely strange. had
1: the New Kids on the Block cassette. Yeah, oh. and Paul Abdul. Oh. oh, oh. Mm-hmm. So very, we're old. Yeah.
2: just realized the name of the game. <laughs> cassettes and cds i always thought you were asking people about cassettes for some reason
0: i do ask oh no yeah. i usually yeah, ask yeah, about yeah. CDs. cds i do ask for cassettes because i need a cassette player right. oh. <laughs> but that's okay that's another topic
2: for another day
0: right ah. so uh now with the hard question out of the way uh so eric if you want to tell us a little bit about um how you got to las vegas first off and then we'll start talking to you about and of what it is that you do here? So, how did you how did you get to Las Vegas?
1: Yes, I love Las Vegas. I've been here about a decade. I was placed here through the Teach for America program. Um, I went to school in Boston, and I'm really proud to be the first person in my family to go to college. And so, I knew that I wanted to do something to empower people that look like me. And when I figured out that educational inequity was a thing, uh, when I went from. California to Boston I realized man I should have majored in an education but it was too late and I found Teach for America and they placed me in a school a couple blocks north of Charleston and Ellis, and that's been my community since then
0: that's awesome yeah very yeah cool it's great to hear the stories of how people people got here and I know we were talking earlier that this is your your home now
1: Oh yeah, this is it. Um, I went to seven different schools growing up. Uh, We moved around a lot. My dad is an immigrant, my mom had me at a young age, but they're the two hardest working people that I know. Mm -hmm. And when I moved here in 2008, I got to see all of the economic downturn and it was Mm. so crazy because in 2009 it was cheaper to buy than rent. Um, I lived on Harmon and Boulder and I bought my townhouse on Boulder and Tropicana just right next door. And my mortgage was cheaper than my rent at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, and then I moved my parents here. So this is, this is home home. Our roots are here. Um, I, and then I just fell in love with my students and families as well. So it's just become my community.
0: That's awesome. So what is it that that you do? I know we met, um, we were talking earlier, we met now 2012, which is crazy to think that it was six years ago. (laughs) Jeez. Wow. Feels like 2012 is not that long ago, but... Uh
2: You guys are still millennials, though. You are. So hashtag old... Old millennials. Old millennials. Yes. There you
0: go. I'm in that 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 one that mini generation, technically, according yeah, to the, the people, internet. But even people,
2: you know, that were around before the wall came down, they can <laughs> technically be considered millennials. Sure. Some of them, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: sorry, uh, Erica, you were telling us.
1: Uh, How we met. Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, as I said, I'm really proud to be the first person in my family to go to college. So I'm very dedicated to the idea that when people in power look like the actual community, that's when real change will happen. So I taught fifth grade and my classroom theme was leaders in training. And we had them wear little leader name tags. They had leader bucks. And we talked about college. Uh, but I realized, you know, you can teach kids about college, but if you don't ensure that the pipeline, make sure they get there and not that they have to go, we believe in choice, but mm-hmm. we just know the disproportionality of our students, um, having an equitable opportunity to get an acceptance letter is different. So we want students to have an equitable choice, um, make a decision with what they do. And so I taught for two years. Um, I went to Harvard and did a master's degree in ed policy and management because I thought that it would be high level policy that could mm-hmm. help my students. And then I came back and I worked for the superintendent for a year on the school performance framework because I then thought, okay, well, if you can rank schools from one to five stars, we will ensure that resources go to need. I didn't see that play out in practice. So in 2011, 2012, I saved my my own money and I reached out to my former students. I would Facebook message them, knock on their door, be like, "Hey, remember me from fifth grade? We're gonna come hang out at Lewis Family Park. Uh, meet there. We're gonna go to UNLV. You know, we had like we call them fake events. Mm. And at the first one, we had 30 kids show up. Wow. We took them all to UNLV um, because they were younger. You know, a lot of parents came with them. It was awesome. So that whole eighth grade year, on spring break, winter break, we we do kind of fun stuff like go to circus, circus or the kids will tell you, yeah, we went to bounce you. We played, and then she had us <laughs> learn about college while we were eating pizza, and we're like in seventh grade, eighth grade. It was weird. <laughs> nice. uh, and now those kids are college freshmen or college um, sophomores. Wow. that's wonderful. Because then in 2012, we I started the nonprofit um, out mm-hmm. of a portable at Goldfarb Elementary. Um, our principal gave us a free portable. Because our high schoolers tutor their elementary students. Very long-winded answer to say. Then yeah. uh, we wanted our we want our students when they're freshmen to volunteer in the community, so they mm-hmm. develop self love and pride mm-hmm. uh, for the for East Las Vegas. And so Jacob and I met because he ran the engage program, or yeah. he actually ran all of the volunteering management at the United Way. Right. So he was our first plug, and it's nuts. Like six years later, United Way is our biggest funder, um, and it's take it a very long time. And he was part of that route to be there.
0: And it's great. You were saying too that now, uh, so with next, coming next school year, you'll have how many of your students in college?
1: Oh my gosh, we should have about 50. Wow. About 50. Uh, so we start with a cohort model. So we have over 120 students right now. So in 2012 we had 20 kids in cohort one. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, if they stayed with us, right. And then the next year we built, year one and year two program with cohort two. So we had 40. So our core three students who started in 2015, they're high, they're high school seniors. And so they're okay. graduating. We have um, two, two of them are going to go to school in Minnesota. So one wow. is already finishing a year at St. John's University on a Fulbright scholarship. He loves it there. Wow. One at Utah Valley University. She's also on a first gen scholarship, loves it. One in California, a couple in Reno. And then we really believe in um, best fit. So a lot of students, their best fit is to stay local, which is great, we Mm -hmm. support that and we love the local institutions and programs here as well.
2: How are kids referred to leaders in training? Or how do you choose? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's funny. Um, There's no application. We'll take any kid that wants to join. You just have to have at least one parent without a college degree. Uh, This is the first, so it's very grassroots. You know, we've had over 500 individual donors. I mentioned the United Way grant before, but this is the first year, you know, anything like that's ever happened. I've uh, worked other jobs for four years. I've never had another staff member until this year. So it really took Mm -hmm. four or five years to grow and make sure that it would work before we got um, some stability. And so before, we would never recruit. It's uh, cousins and friends. The first two years are my former students and their friends, and then after that, uh, the one story I tell is of the Becerra family because they have five adult brothers and sisters that live here. And we have a kid from every family. Oh. So when we have a monthly oh. parent meeting, it's like their reunion, you know. <laughs> they all <laughs> sit in the back. They sit, they're, they're in the parking lot two hours later, still having a conversation, you nice. know. Um, and so I think now we have six or seven because the younger siblings are in now. Mm-hmm. The oldest Becerra is a college junior and the youngest is a high school
0: freshman.
2: Wow, Wow, that's incredible.
0: That is so cool.
2: So um, when I was uh, doing a bit of research on you and leaders in training, I was going through. um, (laughs) (laughs) Not crazy at all. Um, And I was going through some of the uh, focus points and um, uh, the mission of the organization. I came across a little article that talked about you and kind of what drove you to um, invest in a program like this. You were talking about when you were younger, um, your parents moved from... uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, to a more a- mm-hmm. affluent neighborhood yes. and I actually I really and you you mentioned that you had trouble you struggled a bit in school you're placed in, in an advanced placement class and how you felt a bit out of uh out of touch and I could identify with that um as I mentioned earlier I'm from Mexico and so I went to school there K through 12 mm. I pretty much went to uh public schools in Mexico and they're not the best particularly uh, particularly in little towns and so you're not taught any critical thinking skills mm. um so so it wasn't until I came to this country at 18 that I came to college that I actually wrote a paper for the first time in my life and I was writing and actually a, so even though I'm bilingual and bicultural I never took any English classes mm. like no grammar or anything I'm pretty much self-taught oh, wow. so imagine at 18 yep. being told you know analyze the Quran literally that was the first uh, paper I oh had my to gosh. write and you know analyze whatever passage and it was like what does this even mean so a program like this really, w- and, I'm, and I'm, and I think I still struggle, you know, I try to read and everything and just stay up to date on stuff and everything. But, you know, my, I was lacking in many ways. And I was just thrown into this huge university. I went to Michigan State. Oh, wow. Undergrad is 40,000. So I was, you know, I was a bit lost there. So um, a program like this really would have, I think I would have benefited from that. So I mean, I'm glad that that exists for the kids here in Clark County.
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should have been
2: around back then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you're old, is what you said earlier, right?
2: Yes. Well, an old, uh, old millennial. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, excellent. Um, so, before we move on to a couple other topics, we wanted for you how do how how can people get involved in what you're doing with leaders and training?
1: Oh yes, we always need help <laughs> in multiple ways. Um, the the easiest way is, is a one time 30 minute commitment where you come and share your story to our students. We try to have, um, diverse individuals that look like kids that love Las Vegas, that can share their story about being from here or, you know, choosing this as home. Our students Mm -hmm. find that very interesting that people, this is all they know and people actually choose to be here and they want to know. Uh, that's a pretty easy, we have artists, we have lawyers, we've had just everybody, you know, come and speak. And then if you want to be a college mentor, that's a one to one match for a year for people who want um, a deeper commitment, we have it set up what you would do. But we just what happens is the next cohort, court four, who are seniors, I have 26 of them. So I have to structure everything, You know, make sure everything's mm-hmm. executed, just having another person who can talk to them individually, make sure their items are done, and just kind of check in with them. It's a two hour commitment. Um, we always need donors, events, selling auction items, <laughs> everything a non-profit needs.
0: Right. Particularly because you are still a very small grassroots nonprofit. So.
1: Yes, yeah. We're very proud to be a grassroots nonprofit. Our board is a majority for Shen College graduates themselves. I have another staff member, um, uh, minority staff, and we just really believe in being in the community, from the community. We don't do this work to the community. We do it with them. Uh, parents and college students do a lot of the volunteering um, on purpose so that everybody mm-hmm. is doing it with each other. hmm
0: Right. Do you have any events over the summer that people can get involved in?
1: Oh, yes. We uh, have a senior scholarship celebration on June 2nd. Um, okay. You know, they can find that on our website, which that's really great to see the seniors and they tell their story of their four-year yeah, journey awesome. and what they're doing next. We have a lot of summer programming, so we need a lot of volunteers. Um, it's just simply email me and I will plug you in.
0: <laughs> and how, how would they do that?
1: If they just go to our website, uh, litlv.org. We um, could find everything there,
0: and we'll make sure to uh, when we release the episode to put all that information out with it. So yeah, they thank know how you. To get in touch
1: with With a little lit emoji.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the kids yeah. like the lit. The kids. They do. The kids love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The post millennials. <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
1: laughs> the the hashtag young millennials. Yes. Exactly.
0: As, as a as a side, so we have some high school interns from Las Vegas High School at work, and one of them oh, I had I had true. talked about. Um, the museum, the the speakeasy part of the museum being um, hopping, and she looked at me and she's like, "You mean popping?"
2: Yeah. Like, Thank you. Hopping is like something baby boomers would say, though.
0: Yes, my parents are baby boomers. I know so that's you're not. Prob- I'm just no, I'm putting not. That out, like we're probably ja- my parents. <laughs> okay, I'm sure. I'm Shout sure. out
2: to Jacob's parents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but she just looked at me and said, "It's popping," and then laughed. Made me feel great. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. That's my daily life. So,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, Erica, you are the uh, founder and executive director of Leaders in Training. When uh, when did this start? When did you
1: launch? I officially, officially launched it as a nonprofit organization um, in August 2012.
2: Okay, all right.
1: So we had like less than five thousand dollars, twenty kids, and a portable. And so now we have over. Hundred. I raised over a hundred thousand dollars last year, which was the first wow. time. Wow. Um. It's it's really helped us reach sustainability, and then we have you know over 120 kids, kids from 18 different high schools. Wow. Um, it used to be two when uh, Jacob was involved, right. mostly East Career Tech and Las Vegas High School, just because of mm-hmm. our location. And now with that cohort four, I mean, you have kids from Rancho, Del Sol, Mojave, uh, Shadow Ridge. He went to a different school, but they see they moved and they still right. wanted to stay. Uh-huh. And these students will get their own ride there. If they can't get a ride, we'll figure something out um, to make sure they can be there. But they, since they choose to go, mm-hmm. it's this inherent commitment and it's really around like organized programming, but also themselves. You know, they create this cohort bond where it's people who look like them that think mm-hmm. smart is cool and also mm-hmm. understand I'm not just going to college to make money or because I'm supposed to, but if I want my parents to have an equitable opportunity. If I want our area to be what I envision, I know that part of playing the game and change the game is to have a degree, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever it is. So then they can be the change makers. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome.
2: And where do you envision your organization five, 10 years down the line? Do you want some of these change makers? um, They remain here in Vegas to give back to the community. Obviously you're very community driven, volunteering, what, what's your vision?
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's awesome. You know, in five to ten, five to ten years, my dream dream, uh, because we have a four-year high school uh, college access program, a four-year college persistence program, and we have planned out a robust alumni um, program. We just, it, it's year seven next year, so our oldest kids are college juniors, so two more years, they'll graduate. But our vision is that uh, our students will be the elected officials in our area. They will be the principals, the doctors, the lawyers, the teachers. We're a food desert, you know. You know, our students should be the ones making those um, restaurants and supermarkets. It's being it's saying we know that we want better and we don't need other people to come in and do it. We don't and it doesn't need to look like Summerlin and Henderson. It needs to be what we want it to be, you know, for the community. But I go to so many things and and we talk about the lack of. Leadership on the bench, you know, of diversity. And mm-hmm. so the idea is if you want a bench of diverse leaders who are socially justice oriented, you've got to start at 14. Mm-hmm. And you have yeah. to be willing to wait for the long game. Sure.
0: That's so awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Very, very
0: cool. Yeah. So, Erica, I know um, a couple years ago now you ran for office. Yes.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> that yeah.
0: And I think uh, we were. I mean, you know, and I know that I I, I did some door knocking yes, for you. you. Aw- awesome was great.
1: canvasser. We love you. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I yeah. did. Yeah. It was
0: it was really great. It also, got me to to know that the community too that uh, that we were knocking doors in. So that was it was really cool. But um, you know how especially now. I mean, you know, yeah. a couple years later, we see that um, mm-hmm. you know, there's more more. Uh, candidates of color particularly Mm -hmm. more women that are running Mm -hmm. what is maybe something you learned from your experience that you would you know if someone's interested in running for office what would you what would you tell them
1: yeah yeah Um, I would tell them do it right I I ran I lost I'm fine mm -hmm. and I'm definitely stronger for it um more connections for it um And also, the whole thing of why I ran is because I feel like we complain about a lot of things. So if we complain, we should do something about it. There are a lot of structural inequities that make my work at leadership training harder, Mm -hmm. whether it's federal policy where undocumented students don't get a FAFSA, and now I'm extra trying to raise money because they don't get any financial aid. You know, they've been here since they were six months, and they've gone through an entire system. They got into college, have great grades, and they're not going to get any money. That's nuts, right? Mm -hmm. To the local level where a student who has the same entry ID in K-12 and then goes to a uh, CSN or Nevada State or UNLV or UNR they have the same number but there's no connection between the high school accountability and the college right oh, so if okay. our student does doesn't do well it's actually on us on mm-hmm. our nonprofit that hey you know you told this kid to go he's here but they're not academically prepared mm-hmm. and there's no talkback crosswalk right that's a state legislature issue like there are a lot of things I ran because I deal with it every day, and Mm -hmm. I live in the community, and because my parents live with me, I remember also what it's like for working class folks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't regret that I did it. I think uh, what I learned really was, a lot of people will tell you to wait your turn, and Mm -hmm. even people you you would be surprised will tell you that. Mm -hmm. And there's just no waiting, you just gotta try, if you're doing it for the right reasons.
0: Right.
2: So what would your advice uh, for women or and or people of mm-hmm. color that are considering running for office or founding their own nonprofit? What advice would yeah, you give them? Yeah,
1: I think the number one thing now, I'm really grateful, you know, after all these years to really come to the realization of is you don't have to change, you know? I will bump my J. Cole, wear my rompers, and, um, you know, be myself. And I, am, I like to think that I'm changing the archetype of what leadership is. Mm-hmm. And the more people that will do that, the less... I go into a boardroom and people think I'm a volunteer, or I go into a room and pitch and nobody looks like me or mm-hmm. understands the idea. You know, the biggest I think thing that works for us we have 100% college acceptance, 92% college persistence rates. These are unheard of data, wow. not just here but you know across the country. Arizona State University is doing an impact study on us to show what happens when you really partner with the community. And because we're so focused on social justice and community orientation, that's critical consciousness really is what makes us different. Um, And I think that it's okay to then embrace that, right? So I think the more that people understand you are actually a more powerful leader if you've experienced the injustice that Mm -hmm. you're trying to fight, so many people have that leadership they're just not they're not tapping it for whatever reason mm-hmm. so don't change and just do it and I mean that's easier said than done right, right. I still like make less than I did as a teacher um, mm. my I my parents live with me also because culturally that's like what happens right but also right. financially like that I have a degree from Harvard like my parents have to live with me we have to split bills right mm-hmm. so when you have experienced the injustice it's much harder to then work towards um, fighting it but I think I, ha- I have in Leisure Training is a certain authenticity that makes it work mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah,
2: it gives you a unique perspective. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And what are some of the uh, careers or uh, career paths that some of your students are taking?
1: Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. like really cool to see all mm-hmm. the um, different things. Uh, one that wants to be a sports journalist, so he's interning oh, with cool. the Las Vegas Lights right now, so that's really cool. Um, one, you know, really set on being a uh, physician's assistant, mm-hmm. and she's at UNR and the med—not uh, the med pro, but you know, biology, whatever. Mm-hmm. She's doing very well up there. Nice. Um, I have two that are in engineering education and cannot wait to be Clark County School District teachers. Oh, that's you awesome. know, one Great. is a is a male who wants to teach high. school school um so they're just like all over the place you know and then I was telling Jacob earlier we have one in the Navy we're very proud of him mm-hmm. he was in my class in fifth grade and now he's oh, cool. an E3 oh, in wow. the U.S. Navy and he we always say he's our ultimate leader because he makes sure we can do the work that we can do mm-hmm.
0: right oh that's so great yeah and uh Jose got a big smile on his face and pumped his fist with more teachers, more teachers. Yes. yeah yeah
2: yes Yes. more diversity Mm -hmm. for
0: sure yeah that's excellent Well, um, so now we're going to end with probably the most difficult question. Uh, Where's your favorite place to eat and or drink here in Las Vegas? Yes,
1: eat okay. Everybody has to go. They unfortunately don't have alcohol there, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, Best place to eat is on Thai Cuisine on Nellis and Bonanza. You ever been there? I have not, no. Oh Oh my gosh. It's a hole in the wall, (laughs) local place. Writing this down. When you walk in, it's beautiful. The people are so friendly. I mean, we, I had my 31st birthday there. We had our Nevada Big give watch party there you know they're the nicest yeah. uh family owned and it's just so crazy like the way you remember tom right our student from thailand yeah he's uh-huh. very memorable mm-hmm. i have a student from thailand came here in the seventh grade he's now a college uh, sophomore oh, at nevada exciting. state college Yay. he's doing very great he uh, has a job with the america uh that america, the asian community development council oh, so cool. he translates thai it's great wow but uh we needed a fundraiser so i brought him to the you know, to the restaurant and, he just to tell me translate right Mm and so he's like translating and i didn't realize that was actually one of the first places when they came to america they went because they they spoke the language and it's where they felt affirmed right and so i've had family yes Uh and i've had this kid for like seven years and if you met him you'd know like it's like part of the family but who would have ever thought you know it's like one of those things everything's so connected in las vegas and that's why i love it here that's
0: awesome definitely
2: Great. Well, I'm so happy that you didn't name uh, chain. We were just talking about that. Oh, yeah. No, um, no. And for, for drinks, where do you like to go?
1: Ooh, drinks. Or coffee Gosh. and tea. Yeah. I'm
2: not trying to peg our people into
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, well, I didn't think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, um, our, like, friend group goes downtown a lot, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of to that to that area.
2: Okay, cool, cool, cool. We're big supporters right. of downtown area.
1: Yeah, where yeah. the where the locals go. Yes, that's
0: very true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much, Eric. It was a pleasure to have you on, uh, Jacob. Anything else to add?
0: No, it's been it's been great. And now though that I realize we've known each other for six <laughs> years, <it's... laughs> you have
2: an anniversary party coming. Yes, that's, that's right. Yes. Exactly,
0: exactly. But um, no, it's been wonderful to have you on. It's so great to hear about where where the leaders in training is now and where the students are. Oh my gosh, It's so great. Thank I can't you. wait for another like ten years when they're running for office or like. Leading, leading the organizations in a town. That'll be. Oh, they're gonna be, be so running great.
1: the world. Yes. Oh, that'll be. <laughs> well, so Well, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Have we'll have on. to
0: have you back. Yes. Yeah, oh yes. For sure. Please. Um. And so uh, this has been Wild and Free Battleborn podcast. Um. I'm Jacob.
2: I'm Allison.
0: And we had Erica Mosca with us today. And who else is uh, part of our team, Allison?
2: Mr. Jose Sotelo. Ooh
0: he's our producer and you know I was listening to our last episode and mm-hmm. we haven't told people he also composed the theme music
2: oh yeah oh. Uh-huh. yeah yes. so
0: uh yeah so, so just in case you're wondering Jose also composed the theme music yeah. um, also we have Ashley Pacheco as our fact checker and research assistant mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and creative design by Berta Gutierrez
0: And of course, Raven and our dog of descent. Our our Raven is our dog of descent, but in the den of descent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, and we
2: should give a shout out. uh, This morning, we enjoyed some tasty vegan delights from Blue Moon Bakery. Yes. Um, We had some uh, cactus-shaped cookies and some cupcakes and conchas. it up in the past. We've talked about Raven and conchas. Just to let you know, like a couple uh, weeks ago, I brought some conchas from Gardenas, the big ones, and we had been taping and we left the conchas out, six to be exact, and when we returned home, yeah. Raven here had gotten into the entire bag, eaten them all, and she was just happy as a clam. So now it's a running gag. We always bring it up. And so I brought some little conchas today, and she was hovering around the table mm-hmm. trying to sneak some treats, but... um. We didn't give any to her this time, so she has to no. behave. But shout out to Blue Moon Bakery.
0: Yeah, they were delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although it's pop up from what Allison tells me, so you yes. can't always you can't always expect them to be somewhere.
2: No, but she ta- uh, Cheyenne, the owner, she takes custom orders. You can reach out to her on Facebook and Instagram, and she's a really cool cool woman.
0: And if you're listening, Cheyenne, you can always sponsor the podcast with chocolate chip cookies. Oh yeah, always. Yes. that's Salted better than chocolate money. Chip, it's better than money.
2: It's better than crack. <laughs> My mom's not gonna be happy about that one. <laughs> sorry Allison. Sorry, sorry mom.
1: Sorry, mom. <laughs> cool. Thank you.
0: We also have the running cause Allison's mom yeah.